What's going on, everybody? Uh, this is a very, very special episode of Blitz Boys. As you can see, me and Josh are joined here by Mr. Don LaGreca of ESPN fame, New York Rangers fame. So I'm very, very excited. Um, like I said, he is a radio play-by-play -play voice or backup play-by-play -play voice of the New York Rangers, co-host on the number one afternoon drive show in New York, the Michael K Show, and the former pre- and post-game host for the New York Jets. So, Don, I just want to thank you very much for joining us for sure. Oh, my pleasure. Josh, how are we doing on this fine afternoon? A little tired, but I'm feeling good, man. I'm excited for the show. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, of course, before we get into the good stuff, uh, we got to thank our sponsors, of course. So if you are into the betting world, make sure you head over to mybookie.ag and use promo code USM100 to double your first deposit up to $1,000. So if you are into the betting world like many people are, make sure you do that. They're doing a wonderful thing for us. And then if you know, you're know you sore from a long day at the gym or you know just or just at work sitting down, make sure you head over to RxHemp for those premium CBD creams. They are very, very good. I know a lot of people at, over at our USN family are a big fan of that as well. So make sure you go over there and go use RxHemp-USN to save you 10% off of your entire order. Now, Don, I know that this is a this is I wanted to do this because, like I said, I watch your show, you know, every day. Obviously, big fan. I've called in like once or twice. And actually, I don't know. You definitely won't remember this. But like okay. two years ago, I DM'd you because I needed to ask somebody with my dream job questions for a college paper. Okay. And you were and you were nice enough to answer me then too. So listen, <laughs> so no matter what anybody says on that show, you're my number one guy now. Oh, I appreciate that. Anything, man. There were so many people that helped me out when I was younger and, and trying to get going. So my pleasure. Well, I wanted to I wanted to do this because I know that it's always a joke on the show that you can never get the who am I's correct. It's all it was always wild. I know. So I, I thought, you know. Since you're here and the Giants are playing tonight, we're gonna we're gonna try to do a little who am I real quick, okay. if you're up to it. Okay, All right, sure. we use we usually give everybody a minute and thirty seconds to try to guess. We don't, you know, you know, you got unlimited guesses. You can guess as many times as you want. So, Josh, do you have the do you have the uh, hints up? Yes, I do. So, at the okay. end of your first hint, I'm gonna start the timer. Okay. Whenever you're ready, Josh. All right. I was drafted in 1983 in the second round. This, this is Giants? Yeah, I, yeah, this is the Giants. All right. I don't remember who was drafted second. I, I don't know. So go ahead. Uh, I played for both New York teams in my career. Both New York teams. So is it Leonard Marshall? Wow. You know what? This is why you're the professional. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely why you're the professional. Me and Josh uh, sit, uh, sit out here struggle all the time to do oh, these yeah. who am I's, and you got it in two guesses. You know, it's unbelievable. Uh, well, it makes me feel good. I was under pressure there, so. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. And then, of course, you know, it is a sports podcast and things like that, but I wanted to get into, you know, the story of, of you first. So I just got, you know, a couple of questions, for, uh, you know, in that regards. Uh, how did you get started in the business? Because I know that you worked at Sports Phone originally, but how did yeah. you get into like this business of sports broadcasting? It's interesting because um, when I was a senior in high school, so this is going back to 1986, um, they had uh, electives like to get you ready for college. So you had your normal classes, but then there was something you could 
um, do. And I and I and they had a communications class. So I took the communications class and I won the award, the, the communication award. So I thought, all right, I must be pretty good at this. I always wanted to kind of get into radio or television. I wasn't really sure. I was still playing ball at the time. I was going to Rampo College to pitch. So I was kind of focused on what my baseball career might be. So when I got cut from the team my freshman year, I said, all right, I got to do something now. I'm going to waltz into the radio station. And there was um, a WRPR 90.3 FM, and I started uh, working at the radio station and did a heavy metal radio show called The Beast is Unleashed and played metal music and interviewed bands and snuck them into the, the student center and got in lots of trouble. And I also um, I actually stumbled upon a few of the tapes. I did some some basketball and baseball games for them. And uh, then I got my internship at K-Rock, which was a classic rock radio station in 1990. Um, got to meet Howard Stern and Gary Delabate and Robin Quivers and work with them a little bit. And then um, started working at Sports Phone um, in 1992. And went from Sports Phone to 1010 Wins, 1010 Wins to WFAN, WFAN to ESPN. So it kind of all started by me getting cut from the baseball team and going into the college radio station and just working my tail off, just moving up stage, stage. There's always, there's always that launching point. And it's always interesting to hear, you know, where people really get their start. Uh, Josh, you want, you want next? Uh, yeah. Uh, like obviously the radio and just talk show business is it's kind of taken off the past couple of years and it's blowing up, but uh, with everything going on with COVID and, and everything changing, do you think it affects the business a long-term like effect going forward? Oh, incredibly. Uh, because, listen, we're right now in a kind of no-man's land of really seeing where this is all going to go. I mean, the overwhelming majority of people that listen to a radio show, terrestrial radio, are listening in their cars. And there's so many more people that are, live, that are working from home. They're not commuting like they were before. And they're not listening to the radio. You know, people do stream the show and they listen to our show that's simulcast. But just think for yourself, how often are you home listening to the radio? You know, it, it, it doesn't happen. You probably listen in the car or um, if you're out and about or whatever, and people haven't been out and about. Now, we, we've seen our QM, which is the total uh, number of listeners, grow over the last few months as things slowly get back to normal. But, yeah, it's affected the sheer number of people that are listening, and we're, we're kind of curious to know whether that audience is going to come back once we get back to normal. You know, if we get another wave, is that going to break, break the cum down? And, and like I said, we're fortunate enough. We live in an era where people stream us. They watch us on television. There's different ways to consume us. But that terrestrial radio audience right now, I think, is kind of up in the air as far as how long will they be gone and how uh, soon will they come back. I, I kind of just have a follow-up question for that, too, because, like I said, you know, introducing you, you're the backup play-by-play -play voice of the New York Rangers. Obviously, you guys are doing the Michael K. show at home now. We saw during the baseball season that, you know, even at away games, Michael was still at Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. So how do you think – you think it's going to stay like that? Because I know that, you know, people have talked about I, – and, I you know, even just listening to the show that – you know, teams might not want to send their their announcers to certain places. You guys are going to call things off monitors. Do you think it affects it in, in that sort of way as well? Well, I happen to know, I don't want to name any teams, but there was a team, a very big NHL team, not a, not a local team, but a team that a significantly popular team that just a few years ago was actually thinking about not traveling 
their team, uh, their broadcast team, and doing it off the monitor. So if you've got teams that are we're thinking about that as a way to save money, because let's face it, I'm fortunate enough I travel with the team, but when I can't travel with the team, they fly me commercial. We stay at nice hotels. Even even if you fly um, with the team, the charter they the charter company still charges per per um, seat. You know it's very expensive, and in a time right now where they saw how it worked. I mean, I did a um, for Westwood one. I did a I did a, a playoff game. I did the Blackhawk Oiler first qualifying game. I did it from the NBC studios. I did it off the monitor, and and somebody told me they said you know. The better you do it, the more there's a chance that that's going to be the way you do it from now on. And uh, I, I think it's a, a, it's definitely possible, especially for small market baseball teams and basketball teams, especially in basketball and hockey where there isn't a large amount of revenue for radio. Um, that, yeah, there's a very good possibility we can see people doing stuff off the monitor. Um, it, it's a shame because I think it's – I could do it. But to be at the live event, to be able to go to the morning skate, to talk to players, all that stuff's going to be compromised. But, you know, for for money, I, I could totally see there be teams over the next 10 years that just say, hey, we did it. Now let's do it uh, moving forward. And the other part of your question is with the NBA and the NHL looking to start in January or February, I would not be surprised if we start doing it off the monitor then and it continuing on for a second year uh, or at least in extended into a second year of doing it off the monitor. So, yeah, I think this could definitely be something that is done in the future for sure. Now, just one more. Is there a moment in your career that stands out more than, than you know, another one, you know, like I said, becoming voice for the Rangers, the number, you know, when you guys did become the number one show in New York, you know, I, I know that you were a Giants fan growing up, but, you know, even just working for the Jets, is there a really, do you ever have, you know, that one moment that you really think like, wow, this was the cool, a really cool thing? Well, I guess, I mean, I've been, I've been fortunate that there's so many things that have changed my life and I'm so fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. I mean, I, I don't work anymore. It's just play, right? I get to talk about sports all day. But the, the one moment that stands out to me is calling game one of the Stanley Cup final in 2014 between the Kings and the Rangers. And, and I remember getting the phone call. Uh, Doc's um, mother-in-law passed away, or father-in-law passed away, so he couldn't do game one. And Kenny was Mike Emmerich's backup, and he was called to the game. So I got the phone call that I'd be doing that game, and it was just – it was such a dream, and that's that's what I keep going back to is just, you know, you, you think even even just a few years prior to that, would I ever get a chance to do something like that? I mean, it's an original six team. They're in the Stanley Cup final for the first time in 20 years. Um, getting a chance to call that game was just a, was unreal. And when I got the call, obviously the Rangers had already advanced, but Chicago and L.A. was still had a game seven to play. So I didn't know if I was going to Chicago or Los Angeles. And that game went into overtime. So I'm watching the game, not knowing if I'm going to get on a plane to Los Angeles or Chicago. I was rooting for the Blackhawks because it'd be two original six teams. I'm a Met fan. The Mets were going to be at Wrigley the same week as the Stanley Cup final. So I'm like, this is going to be great. And the Kings won the game. But, you know, it's, it's no problem because I got to go out to L.A. And I did the Michael K. show from there. And because I did the pre and post, I, I stayed for game two and, it was um, just a tremendous um, opportunity. So that's that's something that I'll never forget. And um, Neil uh, Neil Best did an article from Newsday on me getting a chance to do it, 
And then he did a follow-up article with Mike Emmerich coming back and doing game two. And Emmerich saying that he heard my broadcast and thought I did a great job. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool. It was a lot that, that was just uh, very surreal and a lot of fun. So that's, that's the one I would kind of always point to. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously when you do a show and you have a big show, you, you want to be number one, but is that something like, do you think about ratings a lot or are you just more content and just happy to be where you're at? Uh, you know, it's kind of the latter. Listen, do I want to finish number one? Sure. But it's so, it's so out of your control, you know, um, because so much, you know, you, you it's not going to change how I do a show. I, I try to do the best show. Michael, Peter and I all do the best show we can do every single day. And then it's kind of up to the audience, whether they like it or not, you know, and, and they've loved it and they liked it. And, and, and the ratings have been tremendous, but I don't get, I, I personally don't get caught up in it because it's not going to change how I do the show. There's no sense in obsessing about it because it's so beyond, you know, the realm of control and, and how convoluted things can be on how they get the ratings and how long we have to wait for them. And, you know, and in this and in this pandemic happens, so I I don't even know, you know, because you know, what what's going to happen with with all that? So I I can't control that. So uh, Michael has always been a guy that worries about the things he can't control. Uh, I don't worry about the things I can't control because I can't control them. And and like I said, if I, I when I started this radio station, we were dead last. You know, we didn't have any audience. We had to start from scratch, and I worked just as hard on those days as I do now. I worked just as hard when I had no audience. I remember buying time in Red Bank, New Jersey with Jerry Recco back in 2000 to just try to get tapes of me doing shows. So, so Jerry and I can like try to, to get more airtime on the fan. I worked just as hard on those shows when I was basically talking to myself as I do today, preparing for a show that's, that's got a, you know, a huge audience on radio and it's on television. So from that standpoint, I, I, I'm not consumed by it at all. I don't even think about it. Yeah, and then this is the last question that I really want to, you know, know about you before we get into some of the sports stuff real quick as well. Is there anything, you know, because I like this is the business that you're in is the business that I'm trying to get into. You know, I, you know, like you said, you know, you're not really working anymore. You're kind of playing, and sports was really the only thing that I've ever, you know, had a deep passion for. So, do you have, if you had to give, you know, advice to somebody? You know, not like me, but you know, anybody out there trying to get into your business, do you do you have like one thing that you would always tell them, or what what is that yeah, advice you would uh, want to give them? Well, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of things, um, but the two biggest ones for me is to be patient because it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it doesn't. I mean, everybody thinks they're going to be Bob Costas the second that they try, and you might you might do it for 20, 30 years and never get there, but you still have to try. It's not like another job where you put tenure in, you work 10 years, you move up to this class, you work 12 years, you move up to this stage. It doesn't work that way. Some people do it. You know, some people are born with a microphone coming out of the womb. You know, some people have to work 25 years and never get the chance. So you don't know. Pay your dues. You don't know how much you're going to have to pay. So be patient. But the other thing is, is that you just have to, the work ethic has to be tremendous. I mean, if you think you're working hard, work even harder. Because that's that's half the battle. I mean, we're born with talent and we cultivate that talent. But the most part is just to make yourself available. That means working weekends. That means working overnights. That means working holidays. I work. There were there were there were decades of me never being home for Thanksgiving or never being home for Christmas and never being home for New Year's. I remember when Y2K, I was doing updates on the fan. 
when when midnight. <laughs> and, you know, um, so you just have to work really hard, and it never stops; it never ends. You know, so if you if you put the work in, that's half the battle. It's not it's not going to guarantee anything, but you know, doing the stuff that you guys are doing, that's the effort that it's going to take because it's nobody's going to hand it to you. So you just got to just work and have just a ferocious appetite to be able to just continue to, to get it done. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, it's definitely a grind and something that, you know, like you said, I feel like, and I feel like that's a a kind of a generational thing too. I feel like, you know, being a part of the newer generation, I feel like everybody wants to have everything handed to them and it's just not the hard work. But like you said, it's definitely a grind for sure. Now getting into the sports kind of aspect of things, obviously, Full, you know, full disclosure here. I'm a Patriots fan. I am a Yankees fan as well, as you can kind of tell. So it, yeah. I, I know that it might be, it might be fraudulent, as you say. But I swear, I'm, I'm a true, I'm a true fan of both of them. Josh is a Panthers fan, but obviously, you do, you know, New York radio and everything like that. Where do you think that the Jets and Giants should go on from here? Because listen, I, I am from New York, so. I, I'm watching all of the games as well more than I really wish I had to because the Jets definitely aren't, you know, quality television and we've seen what the Giants have been recently. But where do you think they have to go from here? Well, I think the Giants just stay the course. I, I really believe that. Um, I think they've got the right coach. We'll see what happens with Dave Gettleman, whether he retires or they move on to Kevin Abrams or somebody else. But I, I, I just think that this is a rebuilding year, period. As difficult as it is to, to see them lose week after week, and certainly over the last three-plus years, it's been way more losing than winning. I think they got the quarterback. I think they've got the coordinators and the coach, and they just have to stay the course and just try to get better from this and learn from this. I do believe that you can learn from losing and staying in a game with the Eagles and staying in a game with the Rams and staying in a game with the Cowboys and, and the Steelers. That's, that's an education for them moving forward. The Jets, that's just the complete opposite. I mean, they're, they're, they're losing as unproductively as you possibly could. I mean, they're not learning anything. You know, the coach is likely gone. The general manager's under fire for, for not building enough talent around this team, although he's only had one draft, so you can't kill him for that. But they've got to find another coach. There's questions on whether their quarterback is the right quarterback. I happen to think he is, but how damaged is his psyche losing every single week? Has he lost confidence in himself? I mean, this team can't score. And listen, Kansas City's the best team in football, but they certainly don't have the best defense. And for this team to be sitting there with one touchdown over the last three weeks is embarrassing. And this is supposed to be an offensive genius. So it's one thing to be unproductive as a coach and lose your job. But this guy, I think, is doing damage, impossible irreparable damage to the talent that's already here. So... I don't know. Um, the only thing I feel pretty good about is that I think Joe Douglas is a good general manager, but I'm kind of talking out of my rear end because I don't know because it's only been one year. But you don't have a coach. You have questions at quarterback. You have little to no talent on your team. That's that's a recipe for disaster. So that's just a rudderless ship right now. That's a mess. <laughs> I, you know, I find that kind of interesting that you think that both teams have their quarterback, though, because obviously the big thing coming out of this draft is Trevor Lawrence. You also have uh, Trey Lance from, you know, where uh, Carson Wentz went, North Dakota State, and then I can't remember the uh, – oh, Yeah, Justin Fields as well. So I find it kind of interesting that you think that, that both teams have their quarterback. 
you know, I don't, I don't really know how I think. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the Jets shouldn't draft Trevor Lawrence if they get the first overall pick. I'm just saying that there's questions about whether they, where their quarterback is, and yeah, they'll likely have to trade him. But will you get value for him? Um, And you know, do we know that the next regime, and certainly this one, wouldn't be able to do it? Is is grow a quarterback and not ruin another quarterback? Because I believe that most quarterbacks come out of college ready to win. It's the coaches that ruin them. You know, how do we know that Mark Sanchez wouldn't have been a good quarterback had they had the right uh, tutelage? You know, if Ryan Leaf gets drafted by Indianapolis and Peyton Manning gets drafted by San Diego, is it possible that Ryan Leaf maybe would have had more of a chance to win? Was he damaged in San Diego? Like, so you don't know. But no, make no mistake. First overall pick, you're going Trevor Lawrence. I, I think the Giants have a good quarterback. Now, would Trevor Lawrence be better? Maybe, but they're not going to have the. I don't think they're going to have the chance at Trevor Lawrence. So. Yeah, please don't mis- don't mistake that. I I, I think they're going to have to draft the quarterback with the first overall pick. It's just that you know what they end up trading away. You're just never going to know what Sam could have been. Yeah, I think we all like being fans of teams. We always think about if we were in a position like I would trade this guy, I would go sign this guy. If you were a GM of either team, like what what would be a, the big first move you do for a football team? Yeah, for like or the Giants. The- yeah, Giants or Jets. Well, the first thing, you know, for the Jets, the Jets are going to have to draft a quarterback. And, and the other thing, I'm going to have to make sure that my next head coach is a, is a head coach that can grow my quarterback. I, I can't make a mistake again. I, I can't go with some retread. I can't go with a guy that's failed other places. I can't go with some 35-year-old. I've heard good things about this executive. I mean, I, I'd have to go out there and see if uh, a Jim Harbaugh would be available. I mean, really go out there and get somebody that can make my quarterback great because you are not winning in this league without a quarterback, period. It's not going to happen. So I've got to make sure that I get my quarterback and I've got the right infrastructure to have that quarterback grow and be great. So I guess first things last, you know, the Jets have to figure out who their coach is going to be with the understanding that he has to be an offensive guy that can grow my quarterback, whoever it happens to be. If it's Sam, if it's Trevor Lawrence, if it's whoever. Uh, that's what you got to do for the Giants. I need talent, and I need to be able to grow that talent. And and that means that maybe if I finish, because I guess the Giants would be on the table for the second or third overall pick. You know, I don't know the draft well enough to know if there's an edge pass rusher out there that's a slam dunk to go out and get. But I might be thinking about trading down just to get picks and start getting some talent. I mean. I think the Giants have a little bit more talent than some one and six teams do, but they just have a lot of holes. Their defense can't get off the field on third down. They don't have a lot of offensive weapons. Their offensive line is a disaster. One pick is not going to change all that. So if I had the second or third overall pick with quarterbacks on the board, if I can get myself a slew of picks in return for that, I think I'm making that move. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be I, – I think that this draft is going to be a very important thing for both of these New York teams because, like you said, and, you know, just watching it, it hasn't been the prettiest football uh, in the past few years. So they definitely need to change, you know, something going on. I just want to switch over to the baseball side of things real quick too because you kind of answered my next question anyway about teams moving off of their quarterbacks. So how, how excited do you uh, – how excited should the Met fans be of the Wilpons being gone and Cohen coming in. Cause I know I was watching the show and, you know, Michael said you shouldn't really dance on the grave and, and you were kind of, you know, Hey, listen, 
you, you might have to. So how how excited should Met fans be of that well, sale? Well, the first, there's two levels. So first of all, they should be excited the Wilpons are gone, right? Because it just wasn't working with them. They didn't have the money. And I guess when Michael's saying dance on their grave, you know, how much did they care, didn't care, how much of it was made off, how much of it was just incompetency, they're gone. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't compete with the big boys with them, and now you can compete with the big boys. My my only conversation with Met fans, in which I am one, is that being a fan of a team and having a boatload of money does not guarantee you anything. Just look at what's happening in Washington with Daniel Snyder. Guy loves the team, grew up with the team, has tons of money. They can't get out of their own way. Um, you look at big market teams that have spent money. Peter Angelos in Baltimore spent a lot of money on the Orioles in, in, in a few years. When the Yankees were great, so were the Orioles, spent a lot of money. Mets, even with Wilpon, spent a lot of money during the, you know, the, the worst team money can buy with, with Vince Coleman and Brett Saberhagen and Bobby Bonilla. You need competent ownership. Owners are only good as the people they hire. You know, the Maras are the perfect example. I mean, the Maras are looked upon as one of the flagship ownerships in professional sports. You know, when they're winning championships, they're looked upon as gods and that they care. And, boy, I wish I wish the Maras owned my team. And now in recent years, you're like, oh, they, they don't know what they're doing because they didn't hire the right people. They hired George Young. They hire Ernie Accorsi. They win championships. You hire Jerry Reese and Dave Gettleman, you don't. Now, nothing changed. They care. It's part of their family. They just hired the right people. Jim Dolan, the same thing. He hires the right people with the Rangers. They, they, they're competing for a Stanley Cup. Hire the wrong people with the Knicks. They can't get out of their own way. So I don't know what Steve Cohen's going to be. Yeah, he's got money. It's nice to know that he's going to be able to compete for free agents. I, I like the hire of Sandy Alderson. I think that's a good move. I like the fact that he cares about the team and wants to win. But if he doesn't make the right decisions, guys, the team's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to win. So I'm excited about it. But let's see what kind of owner he really is. Because the prerequisite of ownership isn't always love of team and money. It's allowing your baseball, basketball, hockey, football people to do what they do and hire the right people. Uh, yeah, I think that that's the most important thing because, you know, like you said, you can't really throw, you know, good money at bad money and, and try to get, you know, more contracts. Because, you know, baseball is is that sport where there is no salary cap. You Listen, if you want to spend however much money you want, you can go ahead and do that. We've seen it. With, with teams like the Red Sox, obviously, with the Yankees. The Yankees have a high, very, very high payroll. And listen, we haven't won any World Series recently. So, like you said, I think, you know, hiring the right people is going to be probably their most important step. You know, I, I, was, I hope that they don't hire too good, though, because I still need the Yankees to run this town. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, do you do you think that they have enough for to win the World Series, or do you think that there's still – just that one move that they need to make, because I know that, you know, being a Yankee fan, I was ecstatic when when we signed Cole. I thought that that was getting us over the top. And then MLB kind of threw in, you know, uh, a wrench into the system when they said that everybody, there was no off days during the playoffs. So I think if teams would have known that, they would have went and been more, you know, aggressive in, in the trade in the trade market right. because, you know, the Yankees lost Paxton. They lost Severino to start the season. So do you think that there is that one move that they have to make still? Or do you think that, listen – we have the team right now, and and we just have to go out there and be better. Well, I mean, I, I think, listen, when you go out there and, and, you know, going into this season, they won 203 games, right? So they obviously are a very good team. But when you get into the playoffs, you need things to go the right way, and you need starting pitching. I don't like the analytics of pulling guys out early in games, relying too much on your bullpen. They just didn't have the bullpen this year that they had in the past. That hurt, too. 
But what do you do with Tanaka? Doesn't look like they're bringing him back. We'll see. Um, Paxton's a free agent. So you got to replace those guys if you don't bring them back. What is Montgomery? What is Garcia? You know Cole's great, but Cole can only go every five days. So they're going to need more starting pitching. And they're going to need to develop starting pitching, too. Like, that's what disappointed me about game two against the Rays is why not let Garcia go? See what you have. Look at how Montgomery, how surprising he was in game four. You have to have faith in your guys. They have not developed a starting pitcher since Andy Pettit. And if you want to say Severino, but he's been hurt and he has been inconsistent. So you get Seve back and you hope that he recovers from his injury. Go out and and get get some good starting pitching. I saw it as a Met fan. Oh, look at look at the wealth of starting pitching, but how many times guys get hurt that become ineffective, right? They have DeGrom, he's been solid. But then you know, then Syndergaard has uh, Tommy John. Harvey had his injuries and ineffectiveness. Matt's didn't live up to expectations. Wheeler leaves in free agency. You know, Strowman didn't work out. Hey, so you have all these great pitching, and then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm watching a Met game, and, and I'm hoping that Waka can get me through six innings and win a game. So you never have enough starting pitching, ever. But the only way to do that is to cultivate good young arms to be able to bring up and have faith in those young arms, Right. Instead of going out and getting a J-Hap, cultivate guys within your system that you can plug and play. They did that with every other position on this team because of the injuries. They've got to do that with a rotation. And I know how you feel about this next question, but I, I, I want to, I want you to, you know, state your opinion on it because I know I hate it, and you know, we, I've heard you guys say it plenty of times. You're not baseball isn't going to lose the super fan like me and you. They're not, they're not losing us because listen, you put a, a Yankee game in front of me, I'm going to sit down and watch it. But for the younger generation, and you know, it even starts killing the older generation too because analytics are something that they just don't understand. And for the younger generation like us. They kind of think it's boring because, you know, it's, it's oh, look, they just walked or, look, they struck out. Oh, look, there's a home run, but I've seen that 45 times tonight, so it's not as exciting as it used to be. What are your thoughts on the analytics? Because, you know, you brought up a great example, game two of, of you know, the Yankees race series and then game mm-hmm. six of the World Series. You're pulling pitchers that – you just, I think, I think the Rays move with Snell is unacceptable. Like I know right. you guys touched on it on the show. You have a former Cy Young winner who is, you know, Kevin Kiermaier said that was the best game he has ever seen him pitch. The guy won a Cy Young two years ago, and now you're saying it's the best game he's ever pitched, and you still take him out. The Yankees tried to outray the Rays in in game two with Davey Garcia and Jay Happ, and obviously that blew up. And I really think that that was a turning point. Of, of that series, because if you win that game and you have Tanaka in game three, you can either win that game or now you're only down two. Now you're up two one instead of down one two. So what are your thoughts on the analytics in baseball and just how much it has affected, you know, the game? Well, I mean, it's if, if everybody's doing it, guys, then where's the advantage? You know, the, the, these guys go out there and they play their they play their asses off to try to win. It's still a human game. It's still me trying to be better than you. Not me be smarter than you. Not my front office be smarter than your front office. Yeah, there's an element to that. But I felt like I got robbed of maybe an historic pitching performance in a possible game seven. You know, and that that that's unacceptable to me. It's still about entertainment. It's still about mano a mano. And, and let the players play the game. And to take him out of the game, I'm not going to kill cash for it because that's just the way the Rays do business. It's the way a lot of teams do business. But that can't be the way. And if that's the way, then you wasted your money on Cole because you didn't spend all that money over nine years for him to pitch five, six innings, be afraid to go through a third time through the order. 
you know, that that was a that was a godsend to be able to get that kind of performance in Game Six. And the, don't make it boring. And uh, it's not stratomatic. It's not. I don't want to watch people play a board game. I want to watch people play baseball. And that's what it's become. And I just hope that the human element, and I hope that this that move and how criticized it was wake some people up to realizing that it's a it's a way that you can do business it shouldn't be the way you do business yeah for sure josh i don't know if you you got anything no man we pretty much asked everything i i was thinking <laughs> i like the all right you know you got uh, two uh you got marv you got jordan yeah <laughs> i got to get the jets jersey up for you <laughs> So you're a Jet fan? Oh, listen, I don't, I'm a Panthers fan, but I'm a big Brett Favre guy. How'd you become a Panther fan? I, I loved Cam Newton at Auburn, and then I just I didn't have a favorite football team in the NFL at that time, so I just went with the Panthers. That's and the- a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that, you like, you know, your dad went to school with Jake DeLome or something crazy. <laughs> that would be cool. That, that would be cool. <laughs> listen, I became a Patriot fan because of my brother, so I guess, you know – yeah, I guess we all got we all got because you were yeah. you were originally a Devils fan, right? Yes. And I How, give that up like, for work. Yeah, I was gonna say what is what is that like? Because you know, you you're calling game for the Rangers, but you know your childhood team is, is a team like the Devils. Oh, is it kind of uh, like uh, you have to? Do you ever have to like catch yourself of not rooting? No, because you know it's a job, you know, and you got to do the job. You got to be professional, and and I've been asked that a bunch of times, and I'll tell you where where the epiphany came from. Cause you try to balance it. Right. And then I'm, you know, I'm calling games for them, but you know, I'm a hockey fan. So I, I can just say that I want to see all three teams do well because the, the better they do, the more I could talk about it on the show. But in 2012, um, the Rangers are in the conference final against the devils. And the Bruce Beck is asking me on NBC channel four to talk about the Rangers. And we're talking Rangers on the show and, I'm getting a chance to – I called playoff games that year. I actually called one of the conference final games against the Devils. Um, and I'm working. I'm getting paid to do Ranger games in the playoffs. Um, when when Henrique scored the goal, it was – I was I, I was on the glass. I was um, – I was like a, I was a sideline reporter for the postseason games. So as a fan, that's a dream. I'm up against the glass. Henrique scores the goal. They go to the Stanley Cup final. So from a fan standpoint, that's a great moment. It's a great memory. But from a from a, a career standpoint, well, now I'm not working anymore. Okay, <laughs> I'm not getting paid anymore. Uh, we're not talking about hockey on the Michael K show anymore. I'm not getting called to do television spots anymore because I don't work for the Devils. And the Devils don't drive a, a rating that we can talk a lot about them on the K show the way we talked about the Rangers. So that's the difference. It's like I can root for the Devils to go win the Stanley Cup but from a career standpoint, now I'm not working. Now I'm not going to games anymore. I'm not getting paid to call games. I'm not getting paid to be on the sideline. So that's when it just realized to me, like, listen, you kind of root for yourself. Not in a selfish way, but, you know, it's just the, the, to, to, to work in this business means you want to be able to work and do what you love to do. And by the devil, by the Rangers being out, I wasn't able to do what I love to do. So it just came down to I want to root for the Devils or I don't want to root for me. So I decided I want to root for me. <laughs> listen, you got to pay the bills somehow, and listen, you got to root for right. yourself some of these times. Um, you know, you and you know, you are big into hockey, and I didn't, you know, have a hockey question coming into this because I'm not going to sit here and lie and act like I'm the I'm the biggest hockey guy. Don't get me wrong; if the Rangers make the playoffs. I will absolutely watch. My dad is is actually a big Rangers fan, 
and I, I watched all those, you know, Stanley Cup games. Uh, what was the, the game seven uh, in the conference finals? Who and they scored that overtime goal to, to win? That was that was one. That was just an unbelievable moment. But where do you think the, where do you think the Rangers go from here? Because I know that you know I've heard you guys talk about it. That you you thought that the bubble was a very good situation for them because that gets them playoff experience instead of, yeah. you know, they would have, they would have just went home. They, you, you don't think that they would have made, you would have made the, uh, the playoffs if, if the season was normal and they had, you know, the number two pick uh, Henrik's gone now, obviously, you know, a, a legend you know, in, in this New York area, but where do you think they, they go from here? Are they far away? Are they, are they close? Are they missing a piece? Huh. Are they missing three? You know, where is it? Well, I think they're close. I think they're very close. It's just a matter of them maturing into it. They've got young defensemen like Fox and D'Angelo that got a taste of what this is like, and then Kako, and now you go out and draft Lafayette. So they're a young team that's ready that, that's ready to pop. Panarin's a star. Zabanajad's a star. I think uh, Shesterkin, even though he didn't play particularly well against Carolina, he got three games of uh, – he, he got to be around the team. I mean, Henrik ended up playing because of Shesterkin's injury, but – you know, they all got a, a feel for what it was like to be in the postseason. So I, I think they're close. I think the Islanders could be their biggest stumbling block, which I think is great for New York hockey because the Islanders are very close too. I think you're seeing Washington and Pittsburgh start to age a little bit. So I think that division is really about the Rangers and the Islanders moving forward. It's just a matter of when we're going to get started and, and how the schedule is going to go and all that. So this can be a very convoluted season. So I'm not sure how much we can really hang on what we see this year, but I think the future is bright for both teams. I think especially for the Rangers. Yeah, you can almost – I mean, I know, and I know you guys have compared it, but you can almost look at, at what the Rangers did this year as the 95 Yankees where Jeter, Prasad, and all them got got that experience mm-hmm. and it really helped them in 96, you know, win a World Series. And, you know, like you said, I don't know if the Rangers are going to win the Stanley Cup next year. But, hey, you know, the more playoff experience you can get, I don't really think that's, that's ever going to be – a negative yeah. for you. It's always a learning experience for sure. Yeah. But Josh, I'm all I'm all good. Are you all, are you all out of question as well? Yeah, man, I'm all good. Well, uh, before we we head on out one more time, uh, you know, head over to mybookie.ag. USN 100 doubles your first deposit. So if you're into the betting world, make sure you head over there. And then rxhem.com, rxhem-usn saves you 10% off of your entire order. Uh, I want to thank you very much, Mr. Lebrecha. Speaking for myself personally, this is you know an absolute dream for me. Uh, I watch you guys on TV, so getting the chance to you know speak to you on a personal level like this is more than I could have ever imagined. Uh, you're one of the reasons I want to get into this business. So if you know if I never ever do anything else in in sports, I'm at least going to be able to brag about this for the rest of my life. And you're damn right that I'm going to because, like I said, you, Michael, Peter. Uh, some of my heroes for sure. And, uh, you know, if, if you had a good time, you know, you can feel free to uh, tell them, you know, we're, we're always available oh, for them as I well. Will. <laughs> I will. I can't promise you anything. And I, I hope you have me back again. Cause this was a lot of fun. Listen, you can, you can come on whenever you want. I'll wake up three in the morning. If you want to we're trying to put the kids back to bed and you want to come and talk. <laughs> so <laughs> I am always, always available. But like I said, I want to just thank you very much because this is, you know, you like it. I said, for me, just a, an absolute dream. I don't know if you got anything, Josh. Yeah, just thanks for coming on, Don. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I've, I've seen your show a few times. I'm not a big fan like Connie is, but I definitely, definitely enjoyed the times I have watched. It's a great show. And just thank you for coming on. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Have fun. Good luck.
Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it for sure. Take care. You too.